All right, so, so we look at this, uh, as you saw from the video, the Demonology 101, looking at the, this idea that there's spiritual forces of darkness. Now, last week, what we did is you were encouraged to open your mind, and that was to consider how you view this uh, from a number of different perspectives, from anyone who would be a skeptic to somebody who was full of fear, uh, and just about anyone in between, that, that how do I begin to open my mind to the reality that, that this is something that is real? And so what we did is we looked at one specific demon possession in the Bible where Jesus drove out an, an evil spirit, uh, an impure spirit, a demon is, is what the Bible called it. And so we, we were able to see Jesus' power over that demon and Jesus' power over darkness. Now, as we look at the, the message for today, what we're going to be looking at is probably the way that it would impact you the most. Where are you going to run into this in your life? Uh, when it comes to demon possession, uh, Pastor Chris and I have talked about this, that in our ministries, uh, we have not come across anyone to our knowledge um, that, that was demon-possessed. Uh, we have been in situations where, where there were, uh, in homes and things like that, activity that uh, was unexplained, that, that we believed was of the devil. Uh, and we used God's word along with other Christians uh, to go into those places and to tell the spirit in Jesus' name to leave. And it was anticlimactic. There wasn't any shrieking. There wasn't any flailing on the ground. There, there wasn't anything like that. It was, it, it was simply going and, and sharing the power of God's word, using the power of God's word, and obedience uh, by the powers of darkness to it. And so it was, like I say, it was really anticlimactic in that it wasn't like the movies. There wasn't any crazy stuff going on. But now as we, we shift gears in our, our lesson for today, what we are going to, to look at is specifically what is it then that we are most likely to encounter in our lives? What, what does this darkness look like uh, that we will face? And so where we're going to go is Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, uh, beginning with the 10th verse. If you'd uh, like to open up your Bibles or a Bible app, it's going to be uh, beginning with verse 10. And so the, really the question that we are asking, that as we're looking at, do you know how the devil works? And, and more than that, do you know how the devil, how Satan, the demons, father of lies works on you? Do, do, and, and trying to get an idea of that. So where we're going to start is uh, Ephesians 6, verses uh, 10 and 11. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And we're going to do the fill-in right away. Since the devil can't stand up to the Lord, he has to resort to schemes to separate us from the Lord. He has to come up with schemes to help separate us from the Lord. Now, if you are looking for a read on this, if the, the idea of how a, the devil might do this, a, a book that I would recommend by C.S. Lewis is called The Screwtape Letters. And what it is, it, it's kind of an interesting book where it's 
uh, Screwtape was the name of a demon who had a and kind of an apprentice, a young relative that was also a demon. And they wrote letters back and forth about their plans and how they would attack a Christian and their faith. And so it's an interesting view of of just kind of C.S. Lewis going from the other point of view to say, how would I attack someone and, and have go after them and their relationship with God? Now, as you think about this, and as I think about this idea of a scheme, what, what is the scheme on, or the plan on how I would do this? It, it makes me think of what it's like when I go uh, hunting, and I, and I go deer hunting, I, I go uh, bow hunting, and one of the questions that sometimes has been asked about the demons that we've gotten is, do demons know what we think? Do demons know what we think? And I'm going to say, my answer to that would be no. But by what we say, I think they can have a pretty good idea. They don't necessarily know what we think, but they do know how we think. And the reason why I say that is I bring up hunting is I, don't, I, can't, I cannot read the thoughts of a deer, but I know how they think. And I know especially how they think during the rut, which is the best time to bow hunt them. And so whether it be, I I know that when it comes to something that's going to bring them in, it's going to be food, it's going to be scent, it's going to be interaction with another deer. And so what I do is I either create that environment or find that environment and I sit and I wait. Because when I know how they're going to act, it allows me to put myself in a position to take advantage of that and to hurt them. And so when, when we are thinking about activity, the activity of evil and, and things like that and of Satan, be thinking about that. He knows how you are going to act. Because as, as much as you think it's not, your activity is predictable. And if you don't believe me, Go on the internet and watch the ads that come up on the side of your page based on your history. I'm telling you, if Amazon can figure it out, I think Satan can. About what things that you are drawn to, what things you might want to look at. And so as you're doing that, understand that all of that is simply what they have found out by observing you. And you are being observed right now. Now, as I thought about this even more, I I thought about the idea of of what what I would do if I wanted to get a politician caught and and a politician, um, to get a politician, let's say in my back pocket, if I had all kinds of power, if you did, what would your scheme be if you were someone who was terribly against the politician to bring them down? first thing I would do is write great glowing articles about them. I would try to build up the pride, first of all. This is the hope of our country. For the first time, this, is, this, is, this person is going to bring about the change that we need to change the world. And as you, you slowly build that pride, the next thing I would do is hammer their schedule. 
opportunities to speak, opportunities to go to different dinners, the, the, all these different platforms where they can share their message. And then slowly what I would try to do is the people that ground them, I would slowly try to distance from them. Get that schedule busy. One of my favorites, uh, make sure they don't get enough sleep. Uh, so, so that's a big one. And, and slowly as you do that, then the temptations come to compromise. Compromise their morality. Compromise their integrity. Get them in situations where that compromise of their morality or of their ethics gets them into a point where they would do something that they normally wouldn't do and they can justify it by saying the greater good is, is worth it. And so they're willing to do that. And then slowly but surely make those lapses bigger and bigger until I have evidence that I could expose them. And now because of their pride, their, their unwillingness to be exposed, their fear of it, just use that as leverage against them uh, in their politics to, to, get them, to get them to force them to places they don't want to go uh, based on where I got them. And, and when you think about this, hopefully this illustration is one you could add to it. You could, simply by watching the news and watching how, how uh, politicians have self-destructed, forget politicians for a moment, let's go pastors. Pastors that have self-destructed in ministry, wanting to share the good news of Jesus, but yet in the same, in the same way, those same things have happened. And you say, what exactly went wrong? And the answer is, to understand there's a battle plan against you. And so where we start with this is to recognize there's a battle plan against you. There's schemes going on against you. And, and the part of it, as I go back to that book, The Screwtape Letters, one of the quotes that Screwtape wrote to Wormwood, his apprentice, was this. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. In the Bible, what, what it's talked about is that people, God's people walked away from God backwards. Because as you walk away from God backwards, this is the cameraman's nightmare, just so you know. That when you walk away from, you're like, damn, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm here, I'm talking to you. It's slowly walking away from God backwards until finally you turn and go all the way. That's what we're talking about with the devil's schemes. Don't think that they're necessarily going to be huge things that, that you would never turn against God, but they're the little things. And what they are attacking is your relationship with God. The next, next portion, Ephesians 6 verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Okay, so we look at this. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so what we're recognizing, the, the, the purpose of this portion is to let you know that as much as this plays out in the world in which we live, that there's a, a battleground that's, that, that is cosmic, that is spiritual, that is 
uh, that is so much bigger than what we are. And we need to be careful that we don't simplify these schemes of Satan and, and make them so simplistic that we miss the bigger picture. In the, in the blank you can write, we think the powers of this world are the answer to our problems. We think the powers of this world are the answer to our problems. More often, they're the cause of them. That when, when you look at those things, when we think about what we could use to change the world, and we think in terms of power and money and influence and all of those things, <laughs> that's, a, that's a thought process where you are thinking that this is about flesh and blood. It just is. Uh, if you're thinking about things like uh, having a coup or we need to hit the streets uh, and, and, and do some type of a protest, even if, you, even if you believe that the way that we are going to change the, the world in which we live is to vote or by making laws for the country in which we live. I'm just telling you, all of those have a physical element to it, which I'm not saying you shouldn't do, but they are not the answer for the struggle that we have. The answer, which we're going to see in a moment, has to do with Jesus Christ, and it's the power of God. And hopefully, when, when you hear these words, as I do, that you in some ways you feel helpless. When, when you think of, what am I going to do against the rulers, authorities, the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces in the heavenly realm? You're gonna have to rely on God to fight this battle. That, that this is beyond uh, what you are capable of. And notice, when that begins to happen, you see how that's just the opposite of the arrogance that's part of the scheme? That when this starts with humility and you say, I can't do this, God says, now you begin to understand. Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians, once you realize the gravity of the battle in which you are immersed and, and you begin to develop humility and, and the need for God in the midst of it, now you are beginning to get where you need, uh, you need to be. And, and where the start of this journey comes from. So, again, as we think about this, and, and it's, I'm just going to repeat the fill-in one more time, because it is, it's, it's not the answer. The answer isn't of this world. And notice that the cause very often times, they are the cause of it, of looking to different places for power other than God, different places for the plan other than from God. Uh, different ways of making movement other than through God. He goes on and gives us uh, more ad advice, direction, when he says this, Ephesians 6.13, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And this shows the intensity. This is a battle for your life. This is a battle for your spiritual life that is fought every day on the battlefield, which is your life, and to recognize this is the case. In the blank, you can write, when spiritual forces come against us, we can stand our ground. We can stand our ground with power that God supplies. Again, directing us to him. Stand your ground. The next words, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. All right, so, so as you hear these things, uh, and as the, the Ephesians would have, they would have thought immediately of a, the, the uniform, the outfit of a, a Roman soldier. And I think we have a little picture of what it might be like. And so a, as you're looking at these things, again, it's, what it's showing as you, you look at that is, it shows how the whole body is protected. And the whole body is covered. And so with the belt, it's not just a belt, but it's also would go down into the midsection and, and protect uh, from shots up below the waist. Uh, then up to the chest, where you think about the vital organs, where they have that breastplate, uh, the, the helmet, uh, even the feet and the shield, that, that as you look at the shield was often very big where you could hide behind it and, and they would lock them together if arrows were coming, that you could duck down behind it. Now, as we're looking at, at this, the point of this, first of all, I don't think you want to miss, is that armor and having all of this, this stuff on you protects you even when you're not uh, necessarily ready for it. So, so that, if, so, so that you, you try to be attentive as a soldier. You don't just want people hitting you and hitting your armor with stuff. It still stings and it still hurts you, could knock you over. But it's this reality that they are on you at all times, unless you take them off. And so that, that part of it is a big one. And, and the second thing that as you look at all of these, these truths that we're going to look at is that it is a rally to Christ's redemptive truth for protection. Now, what does that mean? Uh, let's do the fill-ins, and, and we can write what, this, what it is. What is it that's protecting us? So first of all, it's the truth. The truth as a defensive belt. Righteousness as a breastplate. Gospel as cleats. Uh, I, lo I love this one because when it talks about the feet fitted with the readiness, it, it, the example they gave, it would be like football cleats uh, or soccer spikes or whatever. But the idea is that if it's kind of slippery, that it helps you so you're able to move and engage in battle. Uh, next one is faith as a shield. Faith as a shield. The next one is salvation as a helmet and the word of God, the word of God as a sword. Now, as we look at these things, again, it's truth, righteousness, gospel, faith, salvation, word of God. You, these are almost, and I, I didn't look at this, but you, these are almost all synonyms. They are almost exactly the same thing with just a little bit of a nuance to them. And my encouragement for you today would be to identify one of them, and what you could do, it's great for it, one day a week, use each one of these words as a piece of armor that I'm going to make sure is tightly secured to me as, as a child of God. And so the first one is truth. That truth is a defensive belt. 
Remember, Satan is father of lies. So anything he can get you to, to believe or that is a lie is beginning now to, to create a gap between you and God. And so when I think of this, I think of the very first one with Adam and Eve when, uh, when, when Satan is saying, did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree? You know, he knows when you, when you eat of it, you are going to be like him, knowing good and evil. You're not going to die. All of these these lies that were, were just one after the other kept coming. And the answer to that is the truth. God, God does love me. God doesn't want to withhold anything from me. God only has my best interests in mind. And so those, as you think about how we address those lies, I brought one of the, my favorite books, um, and it's called The Lies We Believe. And this is a phenomenal book to begin to identify some of the lies that, and I'm just telling you, you believe them. Not only do you believe them, but you would swear on the Bible that they're true. You hold them so tightly. And the reason why I say that and why I know that, because I do. That as I went through this book, this book, it was so un uncovering of the lies that I believe. So, so here are a few of them. What kind of lies do we believe about ourselves? I must, uh, I must have everyone's love and approval. My worth is depend on how I perform. Uh, it's easier to avoid my problems than to face them. That's not true. <laughs> yeah, you, you go through the others of them, lies we believe about others. A lie that I believe is that people, other people should be able to meet all my emotional needs. A lie I believe is that to get along, everyone needs to think, feel, and act the same way that I do. You know, they don't have to, but it would be helpful if you did. I'm just saying. Lies we believe about life. Lies we believe about God. Lies we believe about other people. The lies men believe, the lies women believe, all of these that are more susceptible to. And, and this is a great book because it's a book that pushes us back to God's word, to the truth. So think about that. What is a lie that I'm believing that Satan is trying to use to wedge me away from God? The next one is righteousness. Righteousness is the reality that I can stand before God acceptable through the merits of Jesus Christ. Hold that closely. We say that here, I'm a child of God bought with the blood of Jesus. However you want to say it is fine. But I am in a right relationship with God. God is not more loving to me when I do good and less when I do bad. God loves me unconditionally through Jesus Christ. And again, this comes, you need this because when it, it goes right to the heart and that heart is you, this idea of that how God sees me and am I worthy uh, to stand in his presence before him? And the answer through Jesus Christ is yes. Also interesting to see as we look at all of these, all of these have already been done through Jesus Christ and earned for you. The next one is the gospel. Gospel as cleats. And so, again, the gospel, I just shared with you the gospel about righteousness through Jesus Christ, but it's this good news. And here's the thing about the gospel. It's not advice. It's not a good idea. 
gospel is the proclaiming of a truth. You are forgiven. You are loved by God. Nothing shall separate you from the love of Christ. Not trouble or hardship or danger or persecution or famine or sword. None of those things can separate you from God and his love. And again, again and again, it comes, maybe they can. I'm afraid of these things. The next one is faith as a shield. Faith. There's two times in the Bible I think of when I think of faith. It's a Roman centurion, uh, fittingly, who, who, when Jesus was going to come to his house, he said, you know what, Lord? Just say the word. Say the word, and I know that you can do this. And that's what faith is. Faith is not this, this thing that is so strong within me, but the object of the faith, that it's he knows that Christ is worthy of our faith. In the same way, a woman who had a demon-possessed child who, who wanted Jesus to come, and Jesus, you might remember, said, you know, it's not right that I should go there. You're not, you're not a Jew, um, you know, and I came for the Jews. And that's when she said, Lord, but even the dogs get the crumbs that come from the table. And Jesus said, you have great faith. You really have an understanding of who God is and, and, your, and, and why then the humility to know that it's not something you deserve, but rather something God gives freely. Well, well spoken, uh, young lady, as Jesus talked to her. It was great. The next one is salvation. This idea that, that we're going to be taken from here, this destiny that we have of being taken to heaven, that nothing is going to stand in the way between us and being with our God. And the final one, the word of God, which all of these things are. But I think of Jesus when he was tempted by Satan, you know, when, when you know, change these stones into bread, what did Jesus say? Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Again and again, with each one of those temptations, Jesus had an answer that was God's word. And this is the encouragement for you to know what God's word says. One verse at a time, it's hand-to-hand combat and using that word and the power of it. I just want to stop there. That's a lot of stuff. I'm just telling you, that's a lot of information. That's a lot of armor. And it just makes me remember my dad um, was a police officer, and he had a lot of stuff he wore too uh, when he got ready and when he got into uniform. And each day when I would see him, and, and I would, I was young, I was, you know, I'm thinking like when I was four or five years old, that I, I liked watching my dad get into uniform. And it takes, th- there was always a uh, routine to it. Maybe it's because he was also a former Marine, but, but he was very regimented in making sure that he had everything that he needed because when he got out in the field, he didn't want to not have something that he needed. And as, and as you think about this, this would be my encouragement for you, is this isn't something I want you to memorize. I want you to take it with you and, and ask yourself on a daily basis, what is my regiment that I go through on a daily basis to make sure I'm covered to, to, to simply look in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God, ball with the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you are, are the strength for me today. Uh, no matter what comes, Lord, help me with your power to be there. Help me in this fight. Baby steps. 
baby steps to put on the armor of God because it is so necessary and so powerful. Then the final. The final one is, and I already said do it, and pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. And then when you're done, just say a prayer about it. Yeah. And pray in the spirit on all occasions. Having a good day, pray about it. Having a bad day, pray about it. Happy, pray. Sad, pray. Morning, pray. Evening, pray. On all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So not just for yourselves, for others as well. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me, given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Remember that the purpose of that Satan tries to tempt us, uh, the powers of evil oppress us, is for one purpose. And that purpose is to get you to doubt that God loves you, that he cares about you, or that there is any hope for you. God does love you. God does care about you. And there is hope for you, not only with what you are going through today, but, but in the, the, the larger battle you are part of in your life. You need someone reminding that of you, or to you, every day. So do I. Because it's just easy to take the armor off. Say, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. But here's the deal, is gospel, the power of the word of God, is power. That in hearing that again and again, it gives you power. That when we go into this world and, and we go, what is the, the power that we have? Yeah, we have defensive things when people come at us, but we also have the word of God that is an offensive weapon. That we go out and in the midst of this, we are also God's soldiers fighting for him in this world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Of all the battles you fight today, because there will be many, and some you choose to fight that you don't have to, but you're going to anyways. But this is a battle. It's the battle for your heart. And it is one that you have all of the weapons, all of the defense you need to fight it. The final fill-in. Understand how the devil works, but also understand what works against him. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in line with what the Spirit wants and pray for the spread, the fearless spread, the fearless spread by me, the fearless spread by you of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love the quote, the safest road to, to hell is the gradual one, but that's also the way to heaven. It, it's, it's this gradual thing. It's fought daily on a regular basis with Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you, and be assured that as you fight today, you have everything you need in Christ to win that battle. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for uh, the work of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this armor, which we desperately need. And, and that is, Lord, uh, yeah, we confess that we're vulnerable. We're vulnerable to the Satan's attacks. We're vulnerable to the schemes of Satan.
And that is why, Lord, you come to us with this protection which we desperately need. And again, he doesn't always know what we think, but he knows how we think. But Lord, what we need to do is to put your thoughts in our head, uh, your thoughts in our minds and in our hearts, uh, to change our behaviors and our actions, to live in, in a response of love to the love that you have shown for us. And Lord, for each person here, I, I ask that you would be with them in their, the battles they face today. Help them also to be fearless, uh, recognizing the, the forces they're against, but recognizing the strength that you give us in Jesus' name. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.